we were committed to investing when we when we started. I think that was uh, our initial, and then we we were fortunate to to bring in some really 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 strong talent in the beginning that had that will then that eventually sort of accelerated our growth. I think we we looked at a lot of different. Uh, Profiles and we, I believe, we, or I know, we were very focused because I was the one hiring them to on, on bringing in certain so a certain set of profiles early on that uh, would create culture and uh, and uh, and I've spoken about it before in some presentations, some sort of social glue between people uh, and that uh, those hires were super crit- critical in the beginning and really really positive for us. Hi, Matt Ellis here, CEO and co-founder at Seed, back with another episode of Scaling So Far. On today's episode, I'll be chatting with a a close partner of Seed's, Marcus Granstrom, Senior Director of Engineering at Klarna, now valued at a staggering $10.6 billion. Klarna is the highest valued private fintech company in Europe today. And even more recently, um, hit the headlines with their awesome Super Bowl ad, which I have to say I loved. Um, so going pretty well for Klarna, I'd say. Um, Marcus, so, so grateful um, that you're able to join us um, for a chat today. Um, massive welcome to the Scaling So Far podcast. How's everything going? Yeah, I think everything is going great. Like you said, we just did uh, the Super Bowl commercial. I think we had a... Uh, uh, positive reception to it so uh, a lot of a lot of news a lot of media and stuff that's uh, that's always good so excellent marcus can you still tell us a little bit about your story um how you came to join klana um as an engineering team lead back in i think 2015 wasn't it yeah exactly it's almost six years ago now uh, i believe in march here so yeah i um i uh, Basically, before before joining Klan, I had a small startup which I uh, which I sold, and we're in a basically a lock-in situation at the, the company that acquired us. And then at that point, after three years, the sort of lock-up was over. And then uh, I had some discussions with different companies, but in the end, I chose uh, Klan because Klan was the one that was uh, mostly in the mostly gearing up for an for a big uh, growth phase i would say so i think that was uh, what really led me to come in the first place awesome that certainly turned out to be true didn't it so, um true. i'm sure i'm sure people are aware of who cloner are um but for those who aren't fully acquainted acquainted um, could you tell us a little bit about the company's uh, mission and vision please Yes, uh, of course. So we're obviously a, uh, a fintech uh, from uh, based out of uh, initially out of uh, Stockholm, Sweden, but now we're sort of globally present, and we're on a mission to become the world's uh, most favorite way to shop, basically. Uh, so that comes from uh, either through directly to our uh, app in the in any of the app stores, or through uh, directly through our merchants that we that integrate with us. So. Uh, we cover, uh, like I said, a large part of the uh, Europe, US, uh, Asia Pacific, uh, sort of Australia, New Zealand, that stuff. So, and constantly growing into new markets. So. Cool. And it's been super excited, certainly, for, for us to be part of the journey or follow the journey, where certainly I know um, Klarna sort of launched initially in the Nordics, and then now we can't open a uh, e-commerce website without uh, a Klarna option being on there. So Finally. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. We love it. We love it. 
Um, so in your in your role and your team's capacity, um, how is it you help Klarna you know, achieve that, um, that mission and vision? Uh, yeah, so I work uh, primarily, I basically primarily have two, two roles, I would say, but primarily I work with, um, uh, with our merchants, uh, so around the, the merchant side of our business. Uh, so that is then enabling our merchants to to sell with Klarna, to offer their payment methods on uh, on their e-commerce sites, uh, and everything from from their onboarding to the support we give them, and uh, and that. So that is uh, uh, the merchant part, which and then uh, very involved, and I think we we enable our merchants to grow quite a lot with us. Uh, uh, so I think that is uh, exciting, and then. I'm also then on the engineering side, sort of for me, for me uh, working a lot with uh, how we bring talent in, how we nurture talent, and uh, and once once they're here, so that is also a big uh, big part of my my day to day work, basically. Awesome. And you mentioned earlier that you've been with Klarna for for nearly six years. Um, it would be great to understand a bit about your journey um, with Klarna over those years and kind mm -hmm. of how your your role and responsibilities have evolved. Yeah, so I think that is, uh, I worked, uh, like you said previously, I started as an engineering team lead, which is a role we don't have anymore because we changed, changed around it a bit. But, but I started at that and worked with them uh, uh, as a leader there in an engineering team that built uh, what was then called sort of a core payments platform. Uh, did that for, I believe, a year or something like that, uh, something similar. And then after a year, I moved into... Uh, to the merchant space. I worked with merchants for the last uh, five years or something like that, and uh, and then I've grown uh, from there to from a engineering manager role to senior director, and, and now then a senior director. So had uh, quite uh, quite a progress, and I think that is what you get at a company uh, that grows in the in the pace decline. Uh, there's uh, always an abundance of uh, opportunity, and you just have to have to be there and uh, do your best and perform and grab it. For sure. And I think part of your journey, um, certainly when we first met, you were in, um, in Stockholm. And if I'm not mistaken, you're, you're living and working in Berlin now. Um, and, and you were a, a part of the, I guess, the setup of the brand new engineering um, office in Berlin, um, which I guess is no, no easy task. Um, I guess for our our listeners, it'd be really interesting to understand how how do you even go about something like that, and what does the process look like for a, a new engineering location? Yeah, so I think that it's, it's a great question. I think it's um, I moved to Berlin uh, a little over three years now ago uh, to to start the office here. Then, and uh, we were, I believe, we were nine people uh, on the first day that we uh, that we we had hired that started in a basement in in Berlin, and I think we're now. I actually don't know how many we are. I think we are 600 or something, yeah. uh, but um, I don't have a, a fully fully up to date number on that. But I think we uh, we uh, we we were committed to investing uh, when we when we started. I think that was uh, uh, our initial. And then we we were fortunate to to bring in some really 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 strong talent in the beginning that had that will then that eventually sort of accelerated our growth. I think we. We looked at a lot of different uh, profiles, and we, I believe, we, or I know, we were very focused because I was the one hiring them to <laughs> on, on bringing in certain so a certain set of profiles early on that uh, would create culture. And uh, and uh, uh, and I've spoken about it before in some presentations. Some 
sort of social glue between people uh, and that uh, those hires were super crit critical in the beginning and really really positive for us and i believe of the nine people that we were in the basement and the first day i think eight of them still work uh, workers i think that is uh, uh, great as well yeah it's a really big undertaking isn't it for i guess less so for an organization of the scale of klana but for for many looking to, to launch in, in new locations, it quite, can be quite a daunting task. And I really like your, your points about you know, it being a very deliberate and, and invested opportunity for, for Klarna. And yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't do it half-heartedly, really. You have, to, you have to go and you have to, uh, depending on, of course, how your organization size is, but you also have to force, uh, force people uh, to, because it, it is... Uh, uh, easier for everyone to sit in the same office uh, but uh, but especially for for a company like ours when we really really need them to to grow quicker and uh, uh, then you have to then you have to push people to 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 take that step uh, as well from a from a hiring perspective that all hiring manager can't hire everyone in the same location for sure and I, I like the way Klarna approaches as well with some Folks like yourself and other members from from the headquarter location, you know, as uh, cultural pillars and ambassadors to help kind of uh, build that up. So um, enormous growth in Berlin over the last um, the last three years, as you mentioned, from from nine to to several hundred. Um, a big focus for you has obviously been hiring exceptional talent into that hub. Um, it'd be really interesting to understand, you know, what some of your biggest learnings have been through that um, that scale journey and if there's any advice that you would be open to sharing with other engineering leaders out there that, that are going through a similar undertaking? Um, yeah, so I think, uh, like I mentioned before, I think the, 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 the glue that I call them or the social, uh, social aspect of, uh, uh, of the hires we did early was uh, super critical. Uh, they obviously have to pass the, the technical bar we have, uh, have as well, but then we, we, we opted to hiring more uh, sort of cultural ambassadors more than the super extreme specialists in, in, in everything uh, because we, we could hire those later and it was more important to get momentum and would be able to leverage, uh, uh, leverage the, the engineers we hired to do interviews and, and basically raise, uh, raise the bar to, to where we wanted to be. So I think that was uh, key to what we did. Uh, I think one of the other, other things was, uh, was uh, key to, to, to the scaling and growth we had was, um, was actually the, a, a physical thing, the office space. So we, we worked uh, initially with a, uh, one of these, uh, 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 what do you call them? Uh, uh, hotel offices where you can actually grow uh, uh, grow over time so i think that was uh, uh, very good we we looked at uh, different office spaces and stuff like that but it was always we would we would have always been in the chasing new office space kind of uh, kind of mode and that uh, that isn't great for anyone so that was uh, it, it came about more as a coincidence but i think in, in retrospect it was a really good uh, really good fit for us especially when you grow the in pace we did so doubling i really would in the first months we doubled doubled every in the three former first months we doubled every month so it was quite uh, quite important to be flexible in that sense yeah it's a really interesting takeaway there for for the listeners um and i see this time and time again with an over index of of technical skill and very specific technical ability in early hires and i, I really like you sharing openly your approach to 
the social glue, the cultural element. You know, the- yeah, and I think that is super, super important. I mean, uh, uh, we we obviously need them in more or less uh, uh, every team, sort of uh, as well. But then in the beginning, we we overloaded with that uh, kind of uh, uh, expertise uh, instead of having technical expertise in, in that we also need, but uh, but not in the initial phase. Makes sense. And quite often when we speak to uh, to leaders on this on this series, <clears throat> we talk about the different ways in which you can organize hiring in your organization and kind of prioritize or or, or streamline what you do um, in terms of identifying the positions, how you work them from within groups or pipelines and all of that kind of stuff. And something I'd like to ask you a bit more about is that the fact that Klarna has quite distinct hiring pipelines, mm-hmm. um, and you have had certainly for, for the time that I've known the organization. And I'd love you to be able to share with us a bit more about the thinking behind that um, yeah. and how they function. Absolutely. So I think one of the things we, we realized, uh, yeah, it's probably four years ago now, is that uh, the way we were doing hiring was, uh, uh, like I guess most companies do or did, or not, uh, that basically the the team that was hiring was doing the interviewing and the decisions and, and basically like that. And it became... Uh, be, be became a very uneven basically so some teams uh, could uh, go uh, a full year without hiring anyone because their bar was so unreasonable high while someone hired whoever uh, more or less uh, which meant that we, we we were in this uh, situation where we felt that we uh, we needed to have a consistent bar that was more uh, suited and then we needed to have a we obviously need, we, we wanted to focus on on, on specific uh, uh, specific uh, places and specific specific technologies when doing the hiring. So that is when we come up to, with or with this uh, concept of uh, hiring pipelines, which is basically based on a location and a uh, technical uh, aspect. So uh, I run JavaScript for Berlin office then. So everyone that uh, that want to work with uh, JavaScript, if it's full stack. Uh, front-end, uh, React, React Native, whatever it is, goes through, through my pipeline. And then I have a dedicated uh, interviewing team that uh, uh, that are senior engineers, uh, that, but they also do technical interviews then. Uh, uh, and then we keep that group rather small uh, to be able to, to keep a consistent consistent bar so that if you, if you in, interview with one person, you would have the same uh, same uh, outcome if you interview with uh, with, uh, with another. Uh, of course, they're still still human, so there is of course uh, biases and all that involved. But uh, we try as much as possible to to keep a consistent bar, and that uh, the the people we hire at least have passed that minimal bar. Yeah, we, because once uh, once you're young, Thana, there's uh, there's a lot of opportunities to move between teams and stuff like that. Cool. I think that is. Uh, yeah, I think that it was the the big big reason, and we and I feel that we have we are a lot more consistent in in the hiring too. Today. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, and I kind of understand the approach, and it's kind of like a a Klarna bar rather than a team specific bar, um, yeah. which sits consistently across the engineering organization. And like you say, the technical aspects are are different based on team, which is why your your segment. Yeah, because it, it yeah because it's like if you interview someone once a year. It is unlikely uh, that you would uh, you would be able to 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 get the the outcome that you want from out of that. I think it's it at that point it's more like flipping a coin. 
uh, I mean, from, from uh, that uh, either it's a good hire or a bad hire, but uh, that if you if we consistently do this and consistently interview and meet and train uh, these things, it's it's a higher higher likelihood that we make the right choices. Yeah, and so, something I'd like to ask or, or for you to elaborate on. I've you guys scaling your your interview teams um, within those pipeline groups is is also an, an initiative that you obsess about you know kind of making sure that you are able to bring people in to the interview pool from a scalability <coughs> perspective but also to as you mentioned that all of that work goes around consistency across that panel um could you share a little bit more about how you do that because i know lots of people ask me questions um or it comes up in conversations about hey we need to hire a place and how do i scale my interview uh, my interview pool in the organization yeah uh, I think that it's a good question. Uh, so I think we we do we do scale them, uh, but we also uh, keep them rather small. But we make it very clear that hiring is a priority for us. Uh, so uh, these engineers that are all part of the hiring uh, hiring pipeline, they they take the time they need to uh, to do the interviews. Uh, so and and that is uh, what I think is critical that we are actually. Uh, it's it's clear that this is time uh, that they're going to spend on uh, on uh, on improving the company, uh, and then if their team lead or uh, director or whoever comes and says, "Well, John can't spend uh, this much time on on this," but uh, and, but then it's super clear that this is a priority for the for the company to do, to bring in uh, excellent uh, talent. So I think that is important. And when it comes to the when, when it comes to the scaling, we do a lot of uh, uh, we try to bring them up. We obviously have internal training for for interviewers, uh, uh, sort of trying to trying to bring them from a theoretical point of view up to up to how to do interviews. But of course, we also do shadowing uh, for uh, before, until they are feel comfortable in leading interviews and, and stuff like that. And we do that uh, consistently over time as well. Like if someone has been in the interview pipeline for for a while, they also shadow others just to to not uh, divert from the from the from the path, sort of, because it's easier easy when you're one on one with someone, and then over time that you, you you adopt and create your own biases and stuff like that. So I think that is uh, also something we do that we consistently uh, run it over and over. Perfect. That's really helpful, and something that <clears throat> stands out for me there um, is the prioritization of hiring in the organization and and giving your teams uh, permission and time to to do recruitment um, quite often. We have conversations with folks and we speak to people and hiring is like an extra thing that seems to have to be, uh, to fit in around the day job, um, but giving your teams that permission and support and training to to focus on hiring as a priority is, um, is fabulous. Thank you very much for sharing that. So you're hiring people who are <clears throat> essentially exploring uncharted waters. Um, engineers who have a, a propensity to action, specialist in, um, different tech areas, but are also confident enough to continually create and try new things. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, um, people who would be part of this kind of social glue, the, the cultural ambassadors. Um, and a fascinating topic is, you know, being able to assess for, for culture um, or, you know, behaviors, culture, and also being able to assess for skills. So, what does an interview and assessment process look like um, to be able to 
to evaluate both of those things and how do you reflect you know true Klarna life through that candidate experience and interview journey? Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a great question. I think um, uh, we obviously have a, a separate interviews. I believe at the moment we have five interviews, uh, two two different uh, steps or three different steps. One uh, one is like a pre pre screen or like a screening phase where we do. Uh, uh, some uh, some tests and a, and a screening call, uh, and then we have uh, uh, phase one and phase two of the interview. So uh, both of them are is a technical interview and what we call a, a cultural interview. Then, uh, and then you, uh, if you progress from phase one, you go into phase two, which is then uh, the same. One of the things that we uh, consistently keep as part of those interviews is uh, is time for questions because. In, in the market we operate in today, it's uh, as much as us sort of interviewing the candidate as them interviewing us. So it's, uh, it's super important that we, that we leave room for the candidate to, to talk to us and ask us questions and stuff like that. So I think that is um, uh, really what we, what we focus around, especially in the, during, during phase two when, when the candidate is, uh, when we are almost certain that we will hire the candidate uh, at least to to 80 uh, percent uh, then then it's really about uh, uh, the candidate asking us questions making sure that they they know what it means to join Klarna from a from a cultural perspective and uh, that they uh, know what team to join and what the team are doing and sort of so i think that is uh, as important as us uh, sort of asking asking them questions that makes sense i think that's really key <clears throat> for people to to understand it's you know particularly in a a location as competitive as as berlin for the engineering talent you know that this global um audience of opportunity for these folks is absolutely an experience play where where people learn as much about you as as you do about them so nice to see that you guys are super mindful about that um we've spoken in previous um episodes with um, Nico, the founder of, of Platypus, about you know hiring for for cultural ad, if you like. Um, you know, you want the right mix of people with diverse backgrounds, with different thought processes to create the right type of of engineering team culture. You know, for example, if you were to have a team of engineers, ninety percent of them hold process and authority as their highest value. That team could end up perhaps lacking in creativity or, or boundary pushing or innovation perhaps. How is this something that you, you manage or, or, or hire for um, you know, when building teams um, as, a, as a director of engineering to make sure that you've got the right, the right balance um, in the right place and finding that right sort of cultural mix, I guess? Yeah, yeah I think that is, uh, that is really important. I think that is... Uh, uh, also, sort of uh, what you when you look at teams uh, that you have today, why is one a high-performing team and why is another not? Sort of, uh, and I think it uh, it is all about having the the right mix of people and having the right uh, uh, culture in the team. So uh, we definitely do that, and we of course uh, uh, when especially when a team is uh, uh, set and we're backfilling or extending a team, then I think it's even. Uh, even more, uh, even easier, because then uh, the team, uh, the team and the, uh, the leaders in the team know know what they need to either backfill or or get more of. So I think that is uh, 
is super. And I think that is one of the most important aspects of an engineering manager as well to to be aware of what the, what mix they they have and what they what they need basically to 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 bring to the to another to another level. So I think that is uh, uh, totally totally true, uh, and that is and that is mainly how we how we do it. Uh, and then we we also do we encourage people to uh, to move within within team between teams in Klarna. So basically uh, moving to other. Uh, other teams within Klarna, I think it's one of the things because we're so we're so big now. So it's um, you can you can work in one one uh, department in, in Klarna and, and then you can move to another one and do something completely different, you know, some completely different uh, tech stack and domain knowledge. So it's um, it's like moving to another company almost. But uh, but of course there are quite a lot of Klarna specific knowledge that you would take with us that it's valuable for us. Perfect. And as a recruiter, I obsess about <clears throat> how precious engineering time is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's obviously relied upon in, in, you know, in many aspects of the hiring process, right? That's uh, unavoidable. Um, what sort of measures do you have in place to, to try and protect engineering time as much as possible? <clears throat> and also, something that comes up quite consistently in, in hyper-growth organizations is uh, interviewer fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the sort of remote f- first world where we're we're mostly um, functioning on on video calls and stuff like that at the moment. So, it'd be really interesting to get your thoughts on on those topics. Yeah, uh, so I think that is um, that's an excellent question. I think um, I think we are trying to be, uh, like I mentioned, with the pipelines and the interviewers, we are being very. Uh, we're trying to keep their time focused so uh, instead of them having uh, five interviews spread out over the week they usually have uh, a day which they are focused and know that this day is going to be a lot of interviews and, and, and stuff but, but then the other uh, other days during the week other four days they can they can focus on their uh, on their no- normal day job so I think that is one way of doing it when it comes to interview fatigue that is definitely a a, a concern uh, and I, I find it very uh, very different as well. So some some definitely uh, feel it. While while some of the some of the interviewers are uh, find interviewing uh, as a relaxation and sort of a, a, a nice break from day to day. But uh, but we do and then we do we do rotation in the in the, in, in the interview pool basically. So uh, I believe now we've we're around eight. We're about ten people in my pipeline. Eight, ten people doing doing interviews in the pipeline, and and most of them have rotated over uh, over time. I believe there's only there's one person that's been been there through the whole interview journey, and he, uh, uh, but he enjoys it. He, he he enjoys doing interviews. But I I, I know I did. I believe I did a thousand interviews the first year in Berlin uh, 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 over a year. So that was, uh, I definitely felt the interview fatigue then. Uh, so, uh, and then it, uh, I mean, it's mainly mainly bad for the people that I'm interviewing because uh, if they're not exceptional, uh, then it's hard to get engaged. In, in so. Yeah, it's, it's a real life thing and people don't always, um, always consider it. Um, but, you know, when... Oh, it's, it's definitely... Awesome. So the closing questions now. Um, when it comes to building teams, um, if you had a magic wand, 
Um, what's one challenge that you'd love to fix? No, I think that would be that uh, that you could change personality on people. Like if you're if you're short on uh, on on social glue in a team, you could just wave a wand and and and, and have it there. Uh, while well, then instead of spending, I don't know, a month looking for someone that's went waiting three months for them to join, and uh, because of notice periods and 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 whatnot. So that would be would be great if you could have a magic wand that change people's uh, uh, personalities. That would be probably <laughs> cool. I can't promise to, to do that for you. I don't have a magic wand, but <laughs> and that's unfortunate. <laughs> is there anything that you're unapologetically passionate about something that you're maybe even mildly obsessed with um it can be light-hearted or it can of course be serious oh very good question uh, unapologetically passionate about hmm. no uh, that's a very good question uh, i think um one of the things that i that i care uh, extremely much about when it comes to to engineers and engineering teams and the product teams is that they uh, that they care uh, that they understand their uh, the product that they're building and the context around it uh, uh, deeply uh, and i think that is um, uh, there's a there's a wording that uh, some companies use when it comes to product engineers that uh, that they're looking for engineers to build products uh, and not uh, uh, if they're not only uh, work with the, the latest and greatest technology for the for the sake of it uh, obviously we should do it because it, uh, it usually brings better products but if it doesn't it's not a, uh, a goal so I think that is and that they are they're also business focus that they actually uh, truly understand what they're doing and the impact that they're having because the engineers take so many business decisions on a day-to-day -day basis that they uh, perhaps not aren't uh, aware of so i think that is uh, that is key cool and last question marcus um <clears throat> what's one thought value or phrase that you live by um yeah. Oh, how do I now? I have to. I have to translate it don't from Swedish. Translate from Swedish. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, di the direct translation of these phrases normally doesn't work very well. <laughs> no, exactly. That is the. But it. Uh, uh, so I think. Uh, so if I if I do a direct translation, is that the the future the future comes uh, uh, whether you like it or not, but uh, but success is created. Sort of that uh, that you. Uh, you uh, and I think that goes into like you. You can uh, a lot of the success and, and and progress you make in your life is something you can create by yourself. But you also need to have a bit of luck as well. I mean, you need to be in the right place at the right time and do the right uh, at that point of time. But you you can impact impact your future a lot by doing a lot of the right things, and then eventually, hopefully, you're you're doing it at the right time, the right place. Absolutely, they say the. Uh... The harder you work, the luckier you get, right? In these exactly. situations. That's brilliant. Marcus, thank you so much for your time today. Even though we met for the first time in 2017, um, and we've been working with Krona for, for the same time frame, there's a ton that you've shared today um, that I've certainly learned from and found super valuable. Uh, and I'm sure those out there that 
are listening um, feel the same way too. So um, thanks again for have, for joining us. And um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Oh, thank you for having me. Have a, have a lovely afternoon.